I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. <laughs> he's gonna laugh at you. They're all gonna laugh at you. You know what my mother used to call me? Dangerous. They're here. Why are you doing this to us? Because you were home. <laughs> I want to talk about this movie that I just rewatched for, I think, the second time. We're going to consider it the third because if you haven't listened to this and don't know, I always liked horror movies, like, even before... I had the balls to actually watch them. I was always very interested in them. So I was an avid reader of the movie Spoiler.com. So I had read the movie Spoiler for this. I knew what was gonna happen when I watched it. Did not prepare me for what I was walking into. Without further ado, let's get into it. In this episode, we are talking about I Know Who Killed starring Lindsay Lohan. Um, And I just watched this movie yesterday. I didn't want to take notes on this one. With this one, basically, I just want to talk... I mean, we know the movie kind of flopped. And after watching it, I see why. Completely. Um, The story was interesting. And I'm going to start it off right away with saying this. You're not going to hear me talk shit about Lindsay Lohan's performance in this podcast because there's really nothing negative to talk about. I find that most of the reviews on this movie, they're talking shit about Lindsay in specific, which really made me want to watch this movie again because I was trying to dif- different- differentiate. I'm illiterate. That's another thing. Um, I'm trying to dif- differentiate. Different- I'm trying to figure out the difference in the reviews. And if people are really just critical of her performance or if they were critical of her. And I'm going to tell you, I think it's the latter because I think if anything, Lindsay's performance in this movie was one of the more redeemable aspects. Um, It was not Lindsay's fault. It was the movie's fault. The movie is a mess. Um... But basically what I'm trying to get to here is while the reviews, like the ratings, while the ratings make sense, while the ratings for this movie make sense, the reviews and calling out Lindsay's acting do not make sense because she was going through a lot at that point and I feel like with all she was going through, she, she did a decent job. Um, I guess we can get into some characters. Um, I actually almost forgot about that. Um, we have Lindsay Lohan, who is starring as Aubrey Fleming and Dakota Moss. We have Julia Ormond playing Susan Fleming, who is Lindsay Lohan's, or Aubrey's mother. We have Neil McDonough. Is that it? Neil McDonough? I don't know. He's been in, like, everything. He was in, um, I think the last thing I saw him in might have been Arrow, but he... He 
he does a lot. And he's a physically kind of a scary looking man, but also kind of like, mm. <laughs> Um, Let's see. We also have Miss Kenya Moore starring as Jasmine. This is not a key character at all. I just wanted to state that housewife of Atlanta, Kenya Moore, does have a cameo in this movie, and it is extremely fleeting. You are a dumb call. Shut up. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just the fact that Kenya is in this movie is so fucking funny. Like, why? Um... <laughs> and then we also have Bonnie Aarons as Fat Tina, who is not fat. Um, that's basically it. That's all I got for y'all. Um, let's get into, like, the actual plot. And mind you, I will forget things. There will be things that aren't included, and there will be things that are probably out of order. I don't really care. <laughs> like I said, this movie wasn't necessarily my favorite, but I did want to talk about it because I feel like there are some things in this I really just want to vent about. You know, it was an experience. So we start off with Miss Lindsay Lohan, a.k.a. Dakota Moss, stripping. Um, I heard from a recent podcast. Um, I'm actually going to find out whose podcast this is because... I don't want them not to be credited. And it was Horror Queers with Joe and Trace. And I really like them. I do. Um, they're funny. And they have good banter. But they are the ones that brought up these two aspects that I really wanted to pay attention to. And that is Lindsay Lohan's pole work, which she apparently practiced like six months of pole work for this. Um, I would say six minutes would sum up what she can do. Um, and then they also, they also kind of poked at the score. <laughs> and the score, the score is, is absolutely astonishing how little sense it makes in this movie. <laughs> but yeah. So Dakota goes up on the pole and she is apathetically like sliding down, <laughs> just like blankly staring into the sky. Um, but she slides her hand down the pole and we see that there's blood on the pole. Uh oh. <laughs> Um, anyway, so now we go to Lindsay's other character, who is Aubrey, and Aubrey is reading her story to the class, which is something everyone has done and definitely would do if given the opportunity. Um, just your most intimate work, and she's not even fucking finished with it. Like, why are you sitting up here reading your story to your class and you're not fucking finished with it? And I don't think it has anything to do with the curriculum. I'm pretty sure they were like, what, in biology? Like, <laughs> why are you reading? <laughs> so, um... She has this boyfriend. Um, his name begins with a J and he's white. I'm gonna say Jared. 
I was literally right. His name's Jared. I just went and looked it up on IMDb. And that is Brian Jared, I think. Jared? I don't know. He's been in stuff. He's definitely been in stuff. Um, like Chicago PD and Chicago Fire. I've never watched either of those, but he's in them. And that's a fact. Um, so he is trying to make moves on her in this classroom. And she is like, um, do you just want to fuck me? Am I just like a good luck charm for your game? Because he's on the football team. Um, he's like, no, babe, I just really love you. And he's like, well, we literally, she's like, well, we literally like just started dating. So like, that makes no sense. You know, you know, men be lying to get what they want. I think that's kind of what the idea of this was. Um, but while he's chatting it up, the teacher comes up and is like, hey, point out the, the female anatomy on this frog. Or I think it was a worm. I don't know what the fuck it was. Y'all, I was, I was having a really hard time. <laughs> um, but, um, she asks him to find the female anatomy and he points it out and she's like, oh, that's the male anatomy, actually. And then she walks away and Lindsay Lohan is like, um, I'm sorry, Aubrey is like, looks like you need to learn more about your female anatomy. And it's like, well, it looks like maybe the teacher shouldn't have asked him to find something that wasn't there. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? It, whatever it was, I don't know what species it was. Maybe they have both. I don't know. I know how my body works, like, at least 35% of the time. So, I mean, you know. Um, so then she goes home and she gets home and there's this like really creepy gardener who like is kind of like making fuck eyes with her and she's also making said fuck eyes with him and she she literally even gets out of her car and poses for him and he's like he's just being pervy and whatever and then she flips him off and walks away and then later in the movie she hides from him so, like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, what what was that about? Um, but then she starts writing again. And her story is basically about a girl who feels like she has another half out there. And she's not a whole person. And she is kind of looking to complete that. Um... And we get some sort of story about how this girl, Dakota, is, or we get some story about how this girl is, like, walking down the street and trying to get a car, um, trying to hitchhike. And she gets left in the dust by this car, and she's in a lot of pain. But, like, we, she's, like, cut and stuff, but we don't really get, like, a full grasp of, like, what happened to her. Um... But yeah, Lindsay's writing, or, I'm sorry, fuck, Aubrey's writing that. Um, actually, I jumped ahead over this part. The, one of the scenes we get when she gets home, she's practicing with her piano teacher. We are going to call him piano instructor. That, that's it. That's all he gets. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait, yeah, 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 yeah. She's practicing piano and she is not getting it. But from the idea of what we get from her character, she's very good at it. 
like if she if she dedicated and committed to it and actually like had her heart into it she could be great i think she won an award like new artist award but aubrey's more into her writing so she brings it up to her instructor like hey um i think maybe i should stop playing piano like my heart's not in it and he's obviously like not happy about it he was kind of banking on her but the scene that happens after this is her writing so we're just gonna skip on to the next day and she is at school this may have happened the first day again y'all if y'all are expecting me to give you like a full breakdown of everything that happened precisely when it happened like, any other episode, like, maybe, but this one, no. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I wasn't gonna do my homework for this movie. It just, it, it was okay. <laughs> it was an experience, but it was nothing I would, like, seek out. Um, but while at school, they get informed that they found this girl, Jennifer, dead. And she had been missing. Um... And that's another thing is I want to point out is was Lindsay's performance so bad that reviews completely neglected every other fucking actor in this movie? Because like this teacher finds out that one of her students is dead and she goes, don't talk to me about it. I don't have any details. Like, and that's another thing is she finds out we literally watch a man come in and whisper it to her. So, like, yeah, you don't have any fucking details, idiot. You just found out. Um, but it was not a very convincing performance <laughs> from this teacher lady. Um, but basically, we go more into this case and we find out that this Jennifer girl was found dead. Um, her left arm and left leg were amputated. Um, and she was given amphetamine, amphetamines to stay awake. So while he was torturing her, she would feel it, which is just gorgeous. We love that. That is absolutely so cute. Um, and Aubrey's like disturbed by it, obviously, but like also Aubrey's a teen girl. So like what, what is phasing her at this point? Um, but then they have this football game that they go to, um, we get a lot of elements of, like, blue. Like, the blue team versus the red team. The whole theme of this kind of is, like, red versus blue. Kind of symbolizing the sisters. Um, Jared even gives Aubrey a blue rose, which I am pretty positive does not exist. Um, if it does, Ted Mosby, that's your next step, bro. <laughs> Just saying. Um... Yeah. But anyway, um, they're at this football game and Jared's playing and Aubrey is there with her friends watching him, watching the game. And they are dedicating this game to Jennifer. Um, so then Aubrey and her annoying ass friends who also can't act um, are walking around the city and it's super crowded we overhear that there's a curfew for anyone under 21. I'm assuming that has to do with Jennifer's death. Um, they refer to this person as a serial killer. 
and the police are like, he's not a serial killer. He's only killed one person so far. And it's like, yeah, but like, I mean, he did definitely like have a style. He did definitely have a method. Like, it's worth investigating the possibility that he's done this more than once. Um, and obviously we'll do it again. So anyway, Aubrey and her friends who can't act are walking around and Aubrey sees Jared and she's like, oh my god, I'm gonna go say hi to him. Um, so she disappears, she runs off and she goes after him, but he ends up disappearing in the crowd before she can reach him. Um, the gardener drives by and she hides, which first and foremost, I don't think he was gonna see you. And second of all, what is the deal with this character? Why is he perceived to be so creepy, but she also wanted, seemed to want to fuck him? Like, he wasn't hot, but he had, like, tits. Like, that. that's fine. Like, you know, just be honest with yourself. Um, basically, before she leaves her friends, she told them they were, she was going to meet them outside the Fremont Theater. Hours later, they're outside of the Fremont Theater, and she is not there. Jared also shows up. And they're like, where the fuck is Aubrey? And he's like, um, I don't know. They go to her car and the blue rose is on the dashboard, which is questionable. Aubrey brought the blue rose with her to the game. So are you telling me that whoever abducted her put the blue rose back in her car? Interesting. Seems like an extra step you just wouldn't have to go through. Um... So Jared and um, Aubrey's bad actress friends decide to... I'm being so mean to these girls, but this is the thing. This is the thing. If you watch the fucking movie, if you watch it, and you watch this scene and genuinely wholeheartedly believe anything these girls are saying, you are ungodly high. Because it... it and I don't come down on performances that hard. But the reason I am is because they genuinely took me out of it. I, I, I wasn't invested in, in anything going on when they were walking around because, like, these girls were talking and I didn't believe them. Um, so then we go to Aubrey, who is gagged. It's a blue gag, isn't that such a gag? <laughs> it's a blue one. Um, and she's freaking out and we see a figure approach her. And she is terrified, which turns into me being terrified when he pulls out this fucking cooler full of dry ice. Um, she's freaking out. Um, that's another thing. Like, she's doing a really good job at being scared in this movie. Like, I, I don't know what Lindsay's performance, like why it was so bad to people, but I, I I genuinely think she was the only good part about this movie. Um, so then we get this random lady driving, complaining about something. I don't know. Um, maybe we were supposed to pay attention to that. Probably not. Um, but she ends up swerving to miss a deer. And she almost goes into a ditch, and she notices someone laying in the ditch. And... So next thing you know, we're at the hospital with Aubrey. Hmm. So we think. Um, and she wakes up 
during her surgery and they have to put her back under. She wakes up after the surgery and she's freaking the fuck out. She is looking and she realizes she does not have a leg. And then, oh my God, she doesn't have an arm either. Um, her reaction to this also, like, they cut it, like, before, like, she actually breaks down and cries. But, like, other than that, like, she, her realizing it and coming to terms with it and, like, accepting it. Like, I think she did a really good job at this. And I'm going to proceed to commend her performance throughout this movie because I don't like the fact that, like I said, I don't like the fact that the reviews honed in on her performance being so bad when it really wasn't that bad to drag the movie down. It was the movie itself. And even listening to this, I'm sure you will be able to tell it was the movie. Um, so she's sitting in this hospital bed, freaking out. And her parents come in and a doctor... And they're like, oh, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? This and this, Aubrey. And then Dakota's like, wait. Who's Aubrey? And the mother just walks away, like, super depressed. Like, oh, my God. She doesn't remember anything. Okay. This is where I'm going to go in on the dad. Mr. Daniel Fleming, you are on trial being a nasty bitch because the end twist of this i'm gonna blow it right now i'm gonna blow it right now the end twist of this movie is basically that aubrey is a twin and it's her twin in this hospital bed i understand and it becomes like an issue in the end too when it's like clear as day that aubrey is not or dakota is not aubrey and Daniel still keeps denying what she's saying. But at this point, this would be a very good point and a very good place to be like, wait a minute, hold on. I stole, I bought a twin off of somebody. Like, is it is it at all remotely possible that, like, this specific woman's daughter, who is a twin of my illegitimate daughter, um possibly in this hospital bed and not my daughter like if you if you actually love and care about your daughter that's something you actually maybe want to look into you know like maybe make sure they got the right girl and maybe make sure your daughter isn't being tortured somewhere um but whatever um Dakota gets interviewed by an FBI psychiatrist and she sees through him right away and it's like you're fat like I know you are um Huge other just, like, red flag that this is not Aubrey is just Dakota's demeanor. I'm sorry. Like, you can go through something traumatic and lose your memory and maybe forget who you are. But I don't think it's going to send you as far to the point where you're like, Yeah, my mom was a crackhead. I lived here and here. This is my birthday, this and this, but I'm not Aubrey. And then they're like, oh, well, it is Aubrey. She's just delusional. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, maybe hear her out. Um, but the psychiatrist is firmly under the belief that she's Aubrey. So no progress here. Basically, this psychiatrist is not moved and does not believe that she is a woman named Dakota. 
And because they're trying to stop this killer, they're just trying to figure out what she knows. Um, she isn't cooperating now. Not that she can, but she also just doesn't fuck with the police. And I mean, from her upbringing, I can definitely understand that. Um, she probably has a disposition against them automatically. She had a shitty life. Um, but to convince her, because she doesn't believe that she is, like, part of this string of killings, um, the psychiatrist is like, well, I can prove it to you. I'll show you the, the fucking, um, photos of this girl's dead body who was his last victim and leave them next to her bed to which Aubrey's mom finds them and starts flipping the fuck out. Like, why would you leave this next to my daughter's bed? Like, she's been through enough. Which is like... Like, a very, very valid question. Right? But the FBI clearly just wants to make leeway in this case. They they want to figure out who did this, which is, like, valid, of course. Like, let's stop girls from being killed. But also, like, she is literally your only lead, and you guys are, like, picking and choosing what you're hearing from her. Like, maybe, you know, there was a line in the Suspiria remake where, um... The doctor, he said something along the lines of, like, delusions are like truths, you know? They're like hidden truths that come out in different words. And I feel like if they would have just, like, actually, like, heard her out, they could have figured out more. But they didn't. But before her mom even finds these pictures, um, what's her mom's name? Susan? You know what's crazy is I literally forgot her name. And then I went to IMDb, and it was Susan. Same thing with Jared. There's a pattern there. Um. <laughs> so, her, Susan attempts to jog her memory by bringing her things from home. Like, her bear and her iPod, but she didn't bring the headphones, which... I mean, that part, that part felt really real. You ever, you ever go somewhere with the intention to listen to music and then you're like, oh yeah, my headphones are on the counter. Fuck. You know, like, so yeah, like I, I understand why she would be frustrated that she forgot the headphones as well because her daughter doesn't have an arm, she doesn't have a leg, and she doesn't have headphones. Um... But then among the items she brings, she pulls out a picture from Aubrey when she was younger on vacation and Dakota looks at it and she goes wow that's really weird that looks exactly like when I went on vacation but like my bathing suit was red Aubrey's was blue and also the water was brown so like we we have like a decent amount of exposition that Dakota's had a hard life and I think she kind of drives at home like in her like the way she is. Like, I think we kind of get that she's more hardened and it's been through a lot more. Um, there is a really funny line, though, where Susan says that um, music, like, oh, like, when someone listens to music, it can help them when they're in a coma. And 
Dakota just goes, does it look like I'm in a fucking coma? Like, period. Like, why would you say that, Susan? She's, she's literally awake. So at this point now, Dakota is agreeing to cooperate with the feds. Um, and they, they are so hostile with her in this whole, like, thing. It's, like, ridiculous, especially since she literally was almost killed. By your, by your logic, she was abducted, almost murdered, like, put through torture, and just left on the side of the road to die. Like, that. that's really fucked up and traumatic. And they are literally just, like, relentlessly, like, drilling her and invalidating her thoughts. So she kind of gets into what she knows. And that's what happened. And she starts off like, yeah, I got a hostess gig, but it turned out I was actually a stripper. Um... And she, we get to see a couple more of her dances where, again, like, she, she doesn't really, she doesn't really strip. Like, she doesn't really, like, pole dance. Like, she, she does a few, like, smoldering faces while she's sliding down the pole. And, I mean, that is effective somewhere. But, like, it, it you know. Um, and here is where I'm going to start. The music for one of these pole dance sequences, I think it's the first one, is so bizarre. It makes no sense. It almost sounds like they meant to put it in a different movie. I don't even know how to describe it. Um, but it does not fit. And it, it threw me off. I don't know. It was, it was a mess. Um... <laughs> But then she's talking about how she was walking to work and noticed a really creepy guy standing across the way. And... Then she looks away and looks back, and he's closer. And she looks away, and suddenly he is behind the plexiglass um, the bus station right next to her and she's like oh my god um but eventually she is just like bombarded with did you see the killer did you see the person who cut you how did you not see him when he cut you and it's like i don't know that's your guys's job to figure out isn't it and I, I think eventually Dakota's just like, fuck you guys. Like, you guys aren't even hearing me out. So the interrogation ends. Um, then we go into, like, the the police room, I guess. I don't know what the fuck they call it. Like, where they, like, write on the whiteboards and solve their cases. I don't know. <laughs> um, and they have a picture of Aubrey up on the projector. And somebody writes delusional over her picture. <laughs> And they're like, oh, well, she's keeping something from us. And she's lying. Bitch, she is literally a victim of being cut to death. The fact that she is even alive to say anything. Anything at all. And y'all want to call her delusional? She is missing an arm and a leg. Like, really consider what adjectives you're using for this poor, like, what, 18-year-old girl? This poor 18-year-old girl 
who literally almost died. Like, oh my god, this is really fuck 12. Like, really fuck 12 at this point. Oh my god. Like, and they really think she's lying, or they think, like, she's succumbing to some sort of a delusion about Dakota. And that she is Dakota. She made up this fake life, which is, like... You know, I guess they kind of try to drive that home with, like, her book she's writing. Um, but, like, that is a book. And she very much does not have an arm or a leg. She very much does not have an arm or a leg. And she very much almost died. So, like, maybe don't automatically be like, yeah, she's delusional. Don't know how that's going to help your case, bros. <laughs> so then, Daniel and Susan are staying at home, and Daniel is watching TV, and a news bulletin pops up that Aubrey has been found, and she's in the hospital. And now everyone knows, and he's like, shit. Like, tabloids are going to be there. Like, everyone's going to want to, like, hear from her and interview her. And not only is that not right because she's been through so much, but, like, she also is, in their opinion, not altogether there. So I think they're just very much trying to avoid any attention she could possibly get. Um, so their idea now is to bring her home. Then we get the Koda laying in bed. She's sleeping, and we get also a flash to Aubrey being tied up on this table. And the man stabs her in her arm right above where he cut the hand off. And it's like, dude. Like, can you chill? Please? <laughs> um, and one thing I will say about this movie is the torture scenes were definitely the, the most horrific element. Like, they were the hardest to watch. Um, but he stabs her, and all of a sudden, Dakota's laying in her bed, and her arm starts gushing blood. Exactly where Aubrey was stabbed. And she starts screaming, and Daniel comes in, and he's over her bed like, Somebody get a doctor! Somebody get a fucking doctor! Somebody get a doctor! Like, I don't know, maybe a doctor could go and help her if you would, like, get off of her. Because, like, he's literally leaning over her bed to the point where anyone, like, he's, his body is literally shielding where she was bleeding. Like, how is anybody supposed to help her? Like, I get it, he's a dad, he's concerned. He's obviously not that concerned because he would have made some statements and cleared some things up earlier, but that's neither here nor there. Basically, then they take her home. She is fitted with a robotic leg and arm. Um, and she does a little physical therapy with this really sweet doctor. And he's really sweet because when she finishes walking, he goes, good job, Dakota. You'll be back on the dance floor in no time. And not only is this adorable and humble because there is no floor she is dancing on. You're so sweet. Um, but he, he is the only character to actually call her Dakota without it being requested. And she really appreciates that. So then, um, Daniel and Susan basically sneak her into the car and drive her home. 
And now Dakota is on her way to the Fleming house. Um, Y'all, I really apologize. I guess I decided that this would be the time I would make my coffee. <sighs> I'm really sorry for all this ruckus in the background. I really didn't think it would pick up. But I really don't feel like re-recording that part, so sorry. Love ya. Dakota gets there. Is this? Yeah, it's recording. I had to make sure. <laughs> Dakota gets there. And she's, like, checking the whole place out. Of course, it's awkward because it's not her house. And she's also not used to being in, like, houses as nice as the one they have, obviously. Um, but she's sitting there in the mirror trying to be like, my name's Aubrey. I've never seen a strip club. And I've never been inside of a crack house. Like, she's trying to, like, become Aubrey just to make things a little easier. Um, which is probably not too fun for her. Um, Jared comes by with a bouquet of blue roses. I don't know what realm he is traveling to for these. Um, but basically... They have a conversation, and he's crying because he essentially thinks his girlfriend has lost it and has no connection to reality. And she is sitting here like, I'm Dakota. <laughs> so, like, it's a bit awkward, but he is not convinced. So she makes out with him and bites his lip and is like, would Aubrey do this? And then they really start making out. And Susan walks into the room like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. But she, she's like low-key happy. Like, oh, like maybe her memory is jogged. And like she remembers Jared. No, Dakota's just horny. So Dakota literally, she literally pushes, past, like walks past Susan and goes, we're going to go upstairs. And she looks at Jared and she goes, are you coming? And Jared just follows her up. And they get to fucking. Y'all, this is another moment where the score makes no sense. Because the song playing is very reminiscent of, like, a teen dramedy from the 90s. When the kids are about to get it on. It just... For, like, a horror movie, I feel like some of these songs are so out of whack and so weirdly placed. But they are fucking, and the whole time, Susan is downstairs hearing the whole thing. And I am sure she is living for that. But, like, hopefully this will feel a lot better once you learn that this is not actually your child. So they finish having sex, and I'm sorry... I'm sorry. Like, I feel like this is absolutely wrong on both of their parts, okay? Because Jared, he, I don't care necessarily suspension of disbelief. He can kind of see that this isn't Aubrey, I feel. Like, he, he has to know because she's clearly... She's clearly different in every aspect besides her appearance. Like, come on. Um, 
Like, even she's smoking up a cigarette in bed. And it's like, when has Aubrey ever smoked, bro? I don't know, maybe to put two and two together. But also, Aubrey, like, you know this isn't your man. But you're fucking him. And this woman's house, or I'm sorry, this family's house that is letting you live there when they aren't your family. Even though they don't know that. And also just smoking cigarettes in the lady's house. Like, who told you you could do that? That's so disrespectful. Come on. So now that Jared's got his dick wet, he is ready to actually entertain this delusion a little bit. And he's like, okay, well, what do you remember? What did happen? And she's like, well, you wouldn't believe me. And he says, yeah, I would. And she goes, you're only going to believe me because I just fucked you. I did like that line. That was one of my more favorite lines because, I mean, did she lie? So then she gets into the story, right? And it starts with her before she went to work that day. Um, she is in the shower. Just innocently cleaning herself. Um, and all of a sudden she feels a pain. And she looks down and her finger starts to like turn purple and then gray. And then split open like a hot dog. And... The <laughs> the effects on this, I don't know how this would really happen or how it would look because it's obviously not something that could happen. But I could not imagine it looking like this because the way her finger transforms, the best way I can explain it and the immediate thing my mind went to when I saw it is a year without a Santa Claus. Like that claymation... Um, <laughs> The claymation Christmas movies, specifically that one, like when Miss Claus, like the lady, like pulls her hair out of the ponytail and it's like stop motion. Like it was very much a stop motion shot and it completely took me out. But she she's horrified, but she proceeds to go to work. Um, and this is where we get our opening shot of the movie of her going to do her little dance. And then she slides her hand down the pole and there's blood then she goes into the dressing room and she's like what the fuck like her glove is drenched in blood she's kind of freaking out and she takes her glove off and her whole entire middle finger goes with it um she's like what the fuck and then she faints um she is woken up by Fat Tina, the owner of the club, and Kenya Moore. <laughs> we will not be referring to Kenya Moore. I, I am very well aware that her character's name is Jasmine. I looked it up on IMDb. I don't care. She is Kenya Moore. This, we are, we are including I Know Who Killed Me in the Real Housewives universe. So this happened directly before Kenya got with, um, what the hell was his name? Rob? I don't know. Whatever guy. Phaedra said it didn't work on him. Somebody might like it. Don't look like Walter. Dude. Walter. Walter. This is before she met Walter. Um, and Kenya Moore says, like, um, she's losing, like, a lot of blood. Like, that's not cool. And then Fat Tina, who, again, is not fat at all, is like, well, just shut up and go dance. 
So Kenya Moore goes off to go and dance. And this is the last we see of her. But, I mean, it's really not. Because we know that after this traumatic event of seeing Lindsay Lohan bleeding out of her hand, Kenya Moore leaves the strip club, quits working for Fat Tina, and she moves to Atlanta. And that bitch lost a lot of blood. You can die from losing that kind of blood. I'm just saying. So, okay. Um, but at this point, Dakota... Have I been referring to her as Dakota or have I been calling her Aubrey? This shit is getting confusing. If I have been calling her Aubrey, like, whatever, I guess I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, then we have Dakota is going home. She's taking the bus home. And she's got, like, a towel wrapped around her hand, just, like, bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. And this random boy is sitting on the bus and he goes, um, you gotta hold your hand above your heart. That way it won't bleed as much. She's like, okay, thanks. And then she says, hey, aren't you gonna ask what happened? And he goes, people get cut. That's life. Ooh, like, oh my God. Like, it, it was really such like a sinister way for him to say that. Like, yeah, people do get cut. But, like, not always by other people. <laughs> or out of nowhere. Um, yeah. But then I think she pretty much goes back home and she decides she is going to try to sew this finger back on. I don't necessarily see the point. I mean, we're not we're not going to say, oh, she can go to the hospital because we already know this character is a little, like dealing with some sort of poverty and is a young girl who is really on her own. So I don't think she really has it in her to go to the hospital. She can't really afford it. And she, again, probably just doesn't want to. Um, but obviously just sewing it on isn't going to work. Um, and then later that night, she wakes up in bed and there's blood all over her hand. And she lifts up the blanket, and her left leg is cut to shit. And she's freaking out. Like, oh my god. Oh my god. Which is like, really? Like, what the hell? Excuse me? Like, punk bitch while I'm sleeping? So then, I guess for this reason, she decides to walk out and hitchhike. And here's the thing. In Aubrey's book... She's talking about this girl hitchhiking to try to get to the town that Aubrey lives in based off of a postage stamp. We see once Dakota finds her mom dead. Oh, did I mention that? Her mom's dead. She found her mom dead of a drug overdose. But she also found an envelope with a postage stamp to Aubrey's town. And I'm just wondering, is Dakota actually just on a whim hitchhiking to this town? Like, what's what's going on there? I don't know. Um, but yeah, pretty much she tells this whole story. And then we even get the scene where the pickup truck is driving towards her and doesn't pick her up. <clears throat> that is what Aubrey was talking about in her book. A lot of people, and that's interesting too, once you relay it back to the book, because a lot of people I think want to look at this movie and be like, oh, well, obviously Dakota isn't real, and this is just, like, a projection in Aubrey's head while she's being tortured. And it's like, wow, that's, like, a really good theory. Except for the fact that, like, everything in the movie kind of points to it not being a delusion. 
I feel like. I just, I can't see it as that being a delusion while she's being tortured. I don't know, maybe that's just me being basic. <laughs> um, so Jared hears this and he's like, okay, like bet, but like, all right. And so then she gets this idea where she is going to go talk to Jennifer's parents. Which is, if you don't remember from me incessantly speaking about this movie, it was a small part I talked about her. Jennifer was the first, one of the first victims, I think the first victim found of this killer. There was another victim too, but I don't think she was ever found. Right then. So they end up going to Jennifer's house and Jennifer's mom is like, fuck you, bitch. Like, you could catch this guy. You could catch the guy who killed our daughter and you won't cooperate with the police. So I hate you. And she walks off. And the dad goes, we know you didn't come here to cause a problem. And Aubrey's like, can you just take me to her room? That's really all I'm here to see. <laughs> I said Aubrey again, Dakota. See, if you guys get confused listening to me talk about Aubrey and Dakota, I apologize. Just keep in mind, anytime I say Aubrey from this point on, Aubrey is literally on a table being tortured. So she is not out and about right now. But Dakota is. And that's great for everyone else because Dakota is so pleasant. <laughs> so Dakota goes up into this room, her room, and she's looking around and she notices like she got a trophy for something. And she's trying to reach up and see what it is. But before she can grab it, she's snatched out by her mom and dad who are like, what the hell are you doing here? Um. So back at the police station, they have a hold of Aubrey's laptop and they're looking through it. And guess what? They find her book. It's titled Dakota. <clears throat> and at this point, they're like, okay. So she's been traumatized and she diverted into delusion in order to avoid confronting what happened to her and what she's lost. Which is like, yeah, that's like a pretty like valid conclusion to come to, I guess. But again, like you guys aren't getting anything from her because you aren't being cooperative with her. In what she's going through. But they automatically deem that this is just a delusion. This is pretty much the extent of what the police do in this movie. Is find out that she's delusional. And she's not. <laughs> they ran a DNA test on her and everything. The DNA came back the same. So like at this point they have come to their conclusion. It is the extent of their work. So now Aubrey. Fuck. Damn it Lindsay Lohan. Which character are you? Make up your mind. Um, Dakota is looking through Aubrey's laptop, or trying to. She's going to try to find some information here. And she guesses her password, and it's Dakota. She goes to ask.com. Dot com. Why did I say it like that? Um, she goes to ask.com. And she types in unexplained bleeding wounds and automatically gets stigmata. So I'm going to eat my words up real quick, you guys. Um, I was really frustrated when she did this ask search because I'm like, there's no way in hell you type in 
unexplained bleeding wounds and get stigmata right away. Well, wouldn't you know it? I tried searching unexplained bleeding wounds. It's actually the second result that pops up, which while not the first, is still pretty surprising. I mean, this was in what, 2009? That top search for unexplained bleeding wounds I found could have been recent. So I mean, hey, good for you, movie. You got it right. Which um, is basically, from my understanding of what it is, this movie doesn't really necessarily... It does explain it, but I mean, if I wasn't, you know, you know. This movie is a chore. <laughs> this movie is a chore. Um, <clears throat> but basically the idea is, is this theory that pain inflicted onto one individual could be inflicted on another who is somehow connected to that individual. We get an example of a gangster who was shot in the throat in a bar fight and across the world his brother ended up dying from a puncture wound in the same spot that his brother, gangster brother, was shot. So, oh my god, like this must mean that I'm a twin and that Aubrey is real and is being tortured. So, then her mom comes in and Dakota's like, or I'm sorry, Susan comes in and Dakota's like, I think I'm a twin. I think we were switched at birth, maybe. And the weird part is, is Susan goes, okay, well, I can prove that you aren't a twin. And then shows her a video of, like, an ultrasound of Aubrey and Susan. But, like, my thing is, is, like, you completely avoided, like, you neglected to answer, like, the most vital and important chunk of Dakota's question, which is, couldn't we have been switched at birth? Which is exactly what the fuck happened. Um, and also, here we go. Good old, what's his name? Daniel? Not doing fucking anything. Not bringing up the fact, oh yeah, well, it, you could actually be your twin sister. Like, in the movie, again, I explain this. The movie tries to paint it like, oh, well, I don't want to lose my wife. If she finds out, she'll never look at me the same. And it's like, yeah, well, she's never going to look at you the same when she finds out you held this information back and her daughter's dead. So, like, maybe prioritize, dude. One key element that even drives this home more into, like, Click and Susan's head that's a possibility that they were switched at birth um, just is the fact that they were literally... Susan says, like, we were separated for days due to health concerns. And, again, there's Daniel in the back literally listening to all of this and not being like, hey, um... There's a good chance Aubrey's still out there because this isn't biologically your daughter. You know, like, be a man. Be a man. So Dakota goes back into Aubrey's room. And she looks up and notices she has the same trophy that Jennifer did in her room. Um, just as she notices this, a magical portal opens up in the mirror. But not one that she can walk through. Um, and she sees Aubrey in a wedding dress tied to a chair getting hit in the head with a shovel. And then Dakota falls on the ground and she has a bloody nose now. Um, and she looks in Jared before he decided to fuck her. Um, had brought over a bouquet of blue roses 
from some other planet where they grow. Don't know where that is. Would love to visit. Sorry, y'all. My, my lighter isn't working. But anyway, these rose petals, the blue rose petals that definitely exist, end up, like, floating off of the bouquet and through the mirror. And we can see she's in, like, a snowy area. Is it snowy? There's running water, there's a stream, and there's a branch with an owl on it. And now there's some rose petals in the water. So at this point, Dakota's like, okay, like, no, like, seriously, like, I'm a twin. And she goes to tell Daniel, and he goes, no, you are Aubrey, you are Aubrey. It's like, dude, at this point, what the fuck? Like, can you explain why she doesn't have an arm or a leg? If she can't explain it, you can. So, like, maybe hear her out. And finally, he's like, okay, yeah, Susan's baby, our baby died in childbirth, so I went down the hall to this woman who had twins, and I paid her for one of her twins. Boom. Um, Dakota at this point is like, you know what, Daniel? Like, your daughter's still alive because I'm alive. So, like, let's do something about that. And Daniel goes, you know what? <sighs> Fine. Like, yeah, I paid your mom for a twin. My baby died. Um, But I'm not going to do anything about it, though, because I don't want to piss my wife off. She is a beast when she's angry. Like, ain't shit of a dad, ain't shit of a dad of the year award. Like, okay. So, Dakota's like, you know, fuck this, you're useless. And she leaves. And she decides to go on a walk to the cemetery. And she comes across Aubrey's grave. With some blue roses on it. And she falls and she starts crying. Um, we also get flashes at this point of Aubrey back with her, um, her kidnapper, um, lowering her into the ground in a stained glass blue coffin. <sighs> okay, Argento. So. Dakota comes to and realizes it's not Aubrey's grave. Um, it's actually Jennifer's. Like, can you leave this fucking girl alone? She's dead. Like, if you're, if leave her alone. But she notices a blue ribbon that says young, or YA02, which can only mean Young Artist Award, which is crazy, right? Because that's literally what Aubrey won, or was trying to win. Um... And she looks on the back and sees, like, um, something about, like, um, her being gray and fuck red. I don't remember what the exact quote was, but it was talking shit about, it was something about, like, stay blue and never go red. And then all of a sudden, Dakota has these flashes of, like, all this shit. And all of it comes together. She knows where Aubrey is and she knows who her killer is. Or her abductor is. And she's like having these flashes. She sees the owl. And she feels a hand on her back. And it's Daniel. She turns around and looks at him. And here she goes. I know who killed me. Wow. That is like absolutely insane. Because it's almost like you're still alive. This. This. 
<laughs> this this is one of my biggest struggles with the movie is like what do you mean I know who killed me what do you mean I know who killed me like it is one thing for it to be the title it's one thing for it to be the title but for her to say it out of her mouth knowing damn well she is sitting here breathing girly no one killed you. So she's like, yeah, it was Audrey's piano teacher. And Daniel's like, shit. Okay. He probably signed her up for these fucking classes, too. He is the worst dad. But he ends up driving Dakota. And they go to this house because there's no time to call the police. Which, in this instance, I agree. I agree that they could probably get there quicker than the police. Um, they should still call them, like, just for shits and giggles, you know? Like, maybe the police will show up before anyone gets killed. But, you know, you'll make it there first. Um, but I also forgot to mention, are you surprised, that the leg for Dakota's, or the leg for Dakota's battery, the battery for Dakota's leg is dying. And... Basically, they're in the car, and Daniel's like, hey, I'm sorry I didn't believe you. I should have. It's like, you you did believe her, though. You did, because, I mean, from the get, she's like, I look exactly like this girl, but I'm not her. And then she transitions to, I might be this girl's twin. And this whole time, you're like, no, I'm not seeing it for you. I'm not seeing it. <laughs> okay. Whatever, Daniel. So anyway, Dakota starts to have a really hard time breathing. And I guess, whose YouTube video did I learn this from? Hamburgers and Horror. Apparently, um, Aubrey, like, telepathically told Dakota that there's not enough air. I missed this. So I'm going to credit him for that. Um, Daniel's like, try to breathe, try to breathe. They get to this house, and Daniel decides to go in by himself. I mean, like, as he should, you know, like, this bitch doesn't really have a leg to stand on. No, that, that sounded bad, but, I mean, that's what me and my mom used to joke about with my grandma. <laughs> I love her. Rest in peace, queen. <laughs> but, like, Daniel... Goes into this house and he is trying to find the teacher and basically we we pan away from him. He goes up to the front porch. We'll start with this. He goes up to the front porch and we can see like a stained glass window in the door. And then we go back to Dakota. She's in the car, and at this point, I think she's kind of like, fuck it. Like, he is taking way too long. Like, I don't have that much, much oxygen left. So, sorry, it's dinner time, and my cats are going nuts. <laughs> um, so, basically, Dakota ends up going into the house herself. And we have this instance where she goes to open up a door to go down the stairs and knock something down the stairs. And then we kind of see her hide up against the wall. There's a window behind her and the silhouette of somebody walking by. The killer! He's the killer. He's the killer. 
She kind of stays ducked out of the way and it is avoided. This is obviously like a callback to either Scream or Halloween. There's a few of those sprinkled in here that like if you recognize them, like cool. But like if you don't, I mean, it's not like this is the movie where you're like, oh, I, I loved all their references to horror movies. This is the movie where you're like it ended and it was stupid. <laughs> no shade. No shade, Lilo. No shade. Um... But she ends up finally going down these stairs and she finds Daniel. Is that his name? Is it Daniel or David? I don't know. They're the same name to me. They're interchangeable. She finds Daniel, like, from what it looks like, he's laying on an operating table in his own blood. Like, it's so much blood that it looks like he was laid in blood. So, like... Dakota's like, Daniel, please wake up. Like, I can't do this without you. And he wakes up and he goes, Aubrey? Is that Aubrey? And Dakota's like, yeah, it's Aubrey. <laughs> and he's like, I'm so sorry. And then he dies. Um, She's better than me. See, Dakota's been like a hardened bitch this whole movie, right? Like, she's kind of had that boss attitude and take no bullshit. So at that point, like, I really would have preferred for her to be like, no, this is Dakota. Actually, Aubrey just died, and I'm the only one alive. I mean, you know what? Be a dad. Um, so... She's kind of, like, mourning over his death, and behind her comes the killer. Don't let the killer get you! Um... Or whatever. So they get into a scuffle in which Lindsay Lohan... I'm sorry. I really called this bitch Lindsay Lohan. Dakota is able to get herself a weapon. Clunk! One time with the killer! One of the killer's weapons, which... This is one of the cool and unique aspects about this movie, which it lacks so many, is the killer stained glass is his own weapons. Like, he he creates his own weapons. So, like, what he's cutting Aubrey up with is, like, blue stained glass blades that he made himself. And then Dakota ends up picking up one of them to defend herself. The two of them get into a little scuffle. And this man is like, you made it out, so why'd you come back? Okay, like, <laughs> this line, I understand, like, I understand why they put it in there. Because, like, this man has no idea that Aubrey has a twin. So, like, seeing a girl that looks exactly like Aubrey come back would kind of be shocking. And you kind of be like, if you got away, why'd you come back? But we're assuming, we're assuming, by the way, this movie's set up, right, that... He buried Aubrey and then went back into the house and was hanging out in the house, I'd say maybe an hour most. And all of a sudden, he gets bum-rushed by Aubrey and or Dakota and Daniel. So you're telling me in this man's mind, it made logistical sense that Aubrey broke out of the coffin, unburied herself, left... Went to the hospital to get these high end, like, an, a leg and an arm, a mechanical leg and arm. 
she changed her entire outfit and came back within an hour. Like, I don't know. I don't buy that. So they get in a scuffle, right? And basically, he ends up getting his hand trapped in the door. And Aubrey hacks it the fuck off with the... I'm sorry. Dakota hacks it the fuck off with this weapon she grabbed. Um, Then he ends up like... I feel like he busts in the door and he, like, knocks her unconscious. And then he ties her up to a table. Um, We then get a shot of him attempting to play piano with his entire hand in a bowl of ice. Like, I don't know what they're really going to be able to do for you there. But, um... His hand is in a bowl of ice and he's attempting to play piano. And then he throws a fit. And he decides to go down and punish Dakota, who is able to see, like, one of his weapons under the table, like, tucked under the table, and she's trying to reach for it. Um, He comes down, and he calls her out, like, why'd you come back, all of this? And she he goes to attack her, and she has cut herself loose at this point. So she does, like, a little tumble roll... And she starts fighting with him. And they're going back and forth. Eventually, she, like, what the fuck does she do? I'm pretty sure she, like, slits his throat. And then he kind of, like, falls around. There's, like, mannequin... I forgot to mention this. Like, the basement, there's, like, mannequin limbs hanging all around. Or, um, prosthetic limbs hanging all around. Maybe some mannequin parts, too. So he, like, holds on to a couple prosthetic legs to keep himself up, but he ends up falling and dying. Um, So then, pretty much, Dakota goes into the backyard, and she hears the owl. She's like, oh, Aubrey must be over there. She goes, and she digs up Aubrey, and she is in that blue stained glass coffin. And she pulls her out. And they just lay cuddling in the dirt. As we zoom out. And that's the movie. That's it. We found out who killed but didn't kill Lindsay Lohan. Okay. So. (laughs) What a wild ride. I know who killed me was. Um, it, It just. It really was a movie it was um (laughs) no fault to Lindsay lohan i want to drive that home as much as possible because i again i know that like a lot of the reviews targeted her because her reputation was bad and that's not fair um there are plenty of actors men men boys men in the industry who are predators to women who are still working to this day. Men who have done the same wild shit that girls like Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton and fucking Alexis Nyers. Alexis Hayes. I love her. Um, Her podcast is really great, too. It's Recovering From Reality. I just wanted to say that real quick. It's a really good podcast. Um, But, like, you know, these women get vilified and it affects their careers, whereas these men do, like, the same thing plus worse, and 
it's like, oh, well, he's America's sweetheart. And it's like, no, he's an absolute monster. Um, but we're getting off track here, obviously. I'm just very passionate and I love women. The problem with this movie stems from the idea that they want us to believe that blue roses are real. I'm totally kidding. The problem with this movie more than anything is like the believability factor is non-existent. And also, it's hard to suspend disbelief, right? Because I feel as if this movie definitely takes place in real life, you know? Like, this is real life. But there's events like the rose petals floating through the mirror, and even the stigmata shit that, like, to some degree, I guess, could be real. Not the rose petal thing, especially because they were blue. But, like, I don't know much about that. Um, but, you know, they, they presented us with a story that, like, I don't know. Part of the problem with the story, mainly, I think, is how every character in this movie reacted it's between the police like giving this girl who clearly went through something traumatic and is missing two limbs like they put her through hell because they're not getting the answers they want from her they don't even know about the twin thing and they're they're calling her delusional and none of that made sense to me because i i don't think that like i i don't think highly of police I, i'm i'll just say that but I will say, I don't think they're sitting around being catty high school girls writing delusional on their victims' pictures. I just, I don't see that for them. I really don't. Um, one other huge issue, definitely the killer. Um, we saw him once, once before we found out it was him. And it was not even seen to make us think much of anything. The one credit I will give him, however, I liked the weapon idea. I liked the idea of having his own stained glass blown weapons. I thought that was really creative um, and very unique. Um, but also that's another thing is his lair made no sense. Why are there so many mannequin parts? Why are there hooks everywhere? Um, what is going on here? Why was there that knife like tucked under the table that Lindsay Lohan, Aubrey, Dakota could like easily reach for? Um, you know, also another thing is just the score. I don't understand what the thought process was there. Um, it kind of seemed all over the place to me. <laughs> um, I feel like some of the songs, like, maybe, like, got, like, swapped in production with another movie because, like, the, the sex scene song, I'm still boggled over that. Like, what, what was that? Oh my god. Um, questionable 
Um, another thing is just... I personally feel like they did a bunch of random things that they didn't need to do. For example, the gardener did not have to be that much of a key character because he quite literally did nothing for the plot. He wasn't even really a red herring because like, I think I was a little confused as to why she seemed to be flirting with him a little bit. And like, I mean, if she wants to flirt with him just to be messy, like that's on her. Like that's kind of funny, but um, like, yeah, I didn't get that. Um, also her dad, like what kind of father is going to keep this secret and run the risk of his actual daughter dying? because you're going to tell me that not once throughout this entire movie he thought, oh, well, maybe that is actually, you know, her twin sister, and maybe I should come clean about this just in case, you know, just for shits and giggles. Um, closing thoughts, officially. I think this movie, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I can say it had quote-unquote potential. Um, but I will say that there were elements that were actually kind of disturbing in this. The dry ice bit, I didn't like that at all. I thought that was really gross. I think the final standoff nod to Halloween, if it was in a different movie, would have been a, a really cool looking one. Um, I think that Lindsay Lohan turned out a pretty good performance. This movie is not great, and again, not her fault. Um, I feel like this movie presents itself as a horror movie, but then it throws in bits of comedy or like moments that you're supposed to think are funny. But it's it. I feel like it doesn't really land because you're unsure if you should be laughing or not because like. I mean, this girl literally went through a bunch of shit and she's like, all right, let's fuck to this random guy. And it's like, are we supposed to laugh at that? Or like, feel bad for her mom? Because like, I didn't feel bad for her mom, but like, <laughs> I did a little bit, but like, I mean, also like, it's not really your daughter. You'll figure that out soon enough. Um, so let's rate this bad girl. Um, I am going to give her a... 2.5 out of 10. It's not a generous rating, I know. Um, <laughs> um, I've seen it a couple times, and I just, I, I can't bring myself to feel it. I can't. Um, but, yeah. Um, so thanks for listening, guys. Um, Hopefully the next movie I talk about will be one I actually enjoyed. Although I feel like this wasn't a bad episode necessarily. I kind of had fun talking about this movie. Um, it, it was silly. It definitely was. It, I, I don't even think I can consider it campy necessarily because I think camp is more so like, oh, we, we get the joke. And I feel like this movie is kind of like, wait, why are y'all laughing? Did I miss something? <laughs> okay well that's been enough um so next week we are heavily diverting from camp and we are nose diving into total complete dread 
I hope you guys have your tissues, your Lexapro, whatever you need, because this movie's depressing as shit. We are going to talk about The Lodge next week. So, yeah. Also, if you guys want any updates on what's coming next, or if you want to chat, follow me on Instagram. Girl School's Gaze. Just like that. No spaces, no underscores, no nothing. Just girls, ghouls, gays. Um, and I'm going to try to be more active on that. Um, but yeah, help me be more active by interacting with me there. And if we've been together for long enough and we're at that point in our relationship, leave me a little podcast review, you know, wherever you listen. Yeah. Everyone have a great week, and I don't know what events are coming up because this is pre-recorded, but enjoy those events coming up this week that I have yet to know about. Um, I'll see you in the next episode.